I think Monica left, but I did want to say thank you. And the quote that I have up here fits perfectly to what she said. So for those of you that don't know me, my name is Randy Gregoire, and I'm a crier. So let's just start off crying. Anyway, let's just read the quote. There's no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. And then what Linda shared about practicing the presence of God to present Jesus as the center of life and the source of joy. That's the purpose of the letter to the Philippians. So let's, let's pray. Lord, we're so grateful that you do love us. And no matter what, you are present with us. And we can trust you because, as Monica shared, you are faithful. And so, Lord, I pray this morning as we look at um, some verses in Philippians that um, talk to us about three people, about Paul and about Timothy and about Epaphrodites, that we will see in their lives your faithfulness. And we would be able to apply your faithfulness to our life as we leave here and then and, and live. So I thank you for these words, and I ask that um, I would be clear, and it would be meaningful, and it would be applicable to our everyday life, because that's what your scripture does. Your scripture changes lives, because it's your word. So we thank you for the opportunity to study and look at your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want you to open your notebooks to the um, scripture that's in them. Joyce had printed out the book of Philippians, the letter to the Philippians. And we are on uh, chapter 2, verse 19, I think it is. And also, um, please take a map. There's two piles. One is a then and one is a now. So take the maps and lay them out in front of you because we're going to refer to them as we go through um, Philippians, these verses. And you'll also need your Bible. So if you have that in a bag... Pull that out, too. So there's a lot of things. You have the Bible verse, the Bible, the letter to Philippians in your notebook, the two maps, and then your Bible, because we're going to read a little bit of Acts 16 in in a moment. So I wrote on the board to present Jesus as the center of life and the source of joy. That is what one commentator shared as the purpose of the book, of the letter to the Philippians. And it makes, it makes sense. So I'd like you to think about right now, what does it mean that Jesus is the center of life 
and the source of joy. What does that mean for you? Linda shared a little bit about what it meant for her. Monica shared what it meant for her. So what does it mean for you to see Jesus as the center of life and the source of joy? For me personally, it means practicing the presence of God and recognizing that he is good and it will be okay. So why can I say that? Why can I say that it's going to be okay? Why? Somebody tell me. Why can I say God is good and it will be okay? Somebody's talking. Say it loudly. Okay, he brings us through. Okay. Anybody else? Okay, here's for me. Because we win. We win. In the end, we win. So you can endure. You can have joy. You can get through the rough times because we win. We win. And because we win, because I know the end and you know the end, Jesus wins. We can um, choose joy. We can do it. Hard, not easy. Paul would probably be the first to tell you, hey, I'm being beaten. I'm in prison. I've had a rough time. But he chose joy. And you think about the Apostle Paul's life. He had a good life. He was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He was a Pharisee. He was, had a high position. He was well thought of. He had money because he was a teacher. He had a great life. And when Jesus met him and changed the trajectory of his life, Jesus told him what he was going to experience. He was going to experience prison and beatings and people not liking him and people throwing him out of towns. Jesus told him, and he still chose to follow him because he had met the God of the universe. And he knew that his life would be full of joy because he knew how to practice the presence of God. I always think that's kind of cool. If the Lord came to me and said, you know what? As one of my friends, it happened to her. She was a missionary in Uzbekistan. And robbers came in to kill them. She and her husband and her two little girls. Her little girls, they yelled at them to run. And she was beaten with an axe. With an axe. And I thought to myself, she survived. And after a while, they actually went back to Uzbekistan. And the children were, are fine. But I thought to myself, wow, would I go back? knowing what happened to me and my family, would I go back? But she was able to go back because Jesus was the center of her life and she chose joy. You know what? That was not written on my paper. I don't know why the Lord brought that to my mind. But she experienced that there is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. So let's review a little bit about the church at Philippi. 
um, the, this was the first church in Europe. And I never thought about that before, but it was the first church in Europe. Uh, began with Lydia and her household and the Philippian jailer and his household. And the letter that Paul, the letter that we have to Philippians was written from house arrest in Rome. Paul wrote it in Rome. And it had been about 10 years since he had founded that church. Philippi was a Roman colony. Um, if you look on your map... my maps. Oh my goodness. Could you hand me the maps? <laughs> I gave my copies to be printed. You have two maps. One says then, or it should say then. Yeah, one says then, and the other one is now. So if you put them like one on top, one above the other, you can get an idea of what you're actually looking at. So you see where it says um, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Mycia. That is all present-day Turkey. And why do they call it Asia and Asia Minor? I have no idea. And I tried to find out. The only thing I could find was that there was a Greek word and it was like a sua, but it became the way we say it, Asia. And they call it Asia. I don't know how, I couldn't find, maybe some of you history people can tell me later, but I couldn't find how we got from Asia and Asia Minor in Turkey to present-day Asia, what we think about. I don't know. So if somebody, I'm sure there's a reason, I just don't know it. So if somebody knows, and I even asked my daughter who does a lot of ancient history stuff. She didn't know either. Not my daughter, my daughter-in-law. So anyway, if you look at this map of the then, you can see Philippi. It's almost in the middle of the page. Can you see it? Almost in the middle of the map, up of the page of where the map is. Okay. So keep that in mind. It was um, a very um, important city. It was on what they called the Via Ignatia, which was the, tra the major trade route of the day. There were many, many Roman military veterans that lived there, and they, um, they, had no ta they didn't have to pay taxes. They um, could buy and sell land. They had a lot of privileges by living in Philippi, even though it was a, a city in Greece. But it was highly respected by the Romans. Not very many Jews lived there. There was no synagogue there. So um, mostly Roman military guys and Greeks that lived there. But a lot of people came through. So it was, very, it was a very important city for uh, Paul to be able to plant a church there. So now we're going to take a moment before we start um, reading. I want you to write down three adjectives that describe you. 
three adjectives that describe you. You don't have to think deeply, just three things that come to mind. If somebody said, hey, have you ever met my friend Teresa? Do you know she is that? Three adjectives that describe you. Okay, so take a moment and just share with your table the three that you wrote down. Take a risk. It's okay. Everybody loves you. There we go. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> okay. Three adjectives that describe you. There you go. Okay. Okay, now I would like you to let's come back to the front. Now, the, you're not going to share this with anybody. So you can be perfectly honest with yourself. Write down three adjectives that you would like to describe you. Okay, you're not going to share it, but we are going to come back to it at the end. Write down three adjectives that you would like to describe you. Okay. 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 So if you'll open your Bibles to Acts chapter 16... And we are going to read Philippians also, but we're going to start with Acts chapter 16. And I'm going to read out of the living translation. It's not a paraphrase. It is a translation. And I'm going to read out of it because it reads well. Acts chapter 16. Paul went first to Derby and then to Lystra. Okay, so look at your map that says then and find Derby and Lystra. It's towards the right side on your map. Derby and Lystra. Okay. Where there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium, so Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. In deference to the Jews of the area, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left, for everyone knew that his father was a Greek. Now, he didn't have to do that, but in deference to the Jews, he did it. Then they went from town to town, instructing the believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every day. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia. So look on your map and see where that is. Large capital letters. Those are regions. Because the Holy Spirit had pre prevented them 
from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, look where that is, it's way over there from where they had been, about 600 miles, so it took a little while for them to get there because they walked or they took a donkey or cart maybe, but it took a while. They headed north for the province of Bithynia, but again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on through Mycenae to the seaport of Troas. And you can find Troas. It's very small next to the letter M for Mycenae. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. So we, who is we? Who do you think we is? Paul. We know Paul for sure. We know Timothy. And somebody loud. Silas. Okay, who else? Who's writing this book? Luke. Luke. And you'll notice uh, sometimes in the book of Acts, he doesn't use the word we. He uses Paul or them. Okay, so we can kind of know when he was with them and when he wasn't by the um, pronoun that he uses. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. We boarded a boat at Troas and sailed straight across to the island of Samothrace, and the next day we landed at Neapolis. From there, we reached Philippi, a major city of that district of Macedonia and a Roman colony, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. Remember, there was no synagogue because there weren't that many Jews there. And we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, Thyatira a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshipped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart, and she accepted what Paul was saying. She was baptized along with other members of her household, and she asked us to be her guest. If you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she urged us until we agreed. I wonder how many times she asked him. Okay, in th this is a total aside, but here in the States, we usually will give you two chances, okay? Well, I didn't know that, I didn't, like, I didn't realize that that wasn't true all around the world. Well, it's not true in China. You have to give them three chances. So I asked this girl if she wanted some candy, and she said no. And I said, no, really, have some candy. And she said no. And I thought, okay. But she wanted me to ask her three times because she really did want the candy. Okay? So I don't know how many times Lydia urged them, but until they agreed. One day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a demon-possessed slave girl. 
She was a fortune teller who earned a lot of money for her masters. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. Isn't that amazing? The demons are giving witness. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated, see, he really is human, that he turned, he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the city officials. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. Now, why they didn't get Timothy and, Sil and um, Luke, I don't know, but they only took Paul and Silas. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. Now, they probably weren't, like we would, you know, when you hear the word stripped, you kind of think they took everything off of them. But in those times, they had what they called an undergarment, which if you only had your undergarment on, they considered you naked, but you really weren't totally naked. So when you read, you know, other parts of the scripture and it talks about um, somebody was naked or whatever, they weren't totally naked. They, they did have an undergarment on. Um, they were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape, so the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Now, not like our prisons, this was a cave-like place, um, probably completely dark unless they had uh, rags with oil on it, so it would have been smoky and smelly and, you know, no light, damp. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he threw his sword to he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop! Don't kill yourself. We are all here. How is that possible? How did somebody not run out the door? You know, I would have, if I had the opportunity, I would have run. But nobody ran. They just, I think they were probably were so frightened of what had just happened. They didn't know what to do. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. 
Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. And that's what the Lord does. When you know him, you can rejoice no matter what. The ne- hard, it's not easy, but you can do it. The next morning, the city officials sent the police to the jailer. Let those men go. So the jailer told Paul, the city officials have said you and Silas are free to leave. Go in peace. So what would you do? Would you leave? I mean, I'd be out of there so fast. You know, I'd leave. But not Paul. But Paul replied, they have publicly beaten us without a trial and put us in prison. And we are Roman citizens. So now they want us to leave secretly? Certainly not. Let them come themselves to release us. I can just hear him. It just makes me laugh. I'm like, no, 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 no. You're not doing that to me. You put me here publicly, you're going to come get me out publicly. So, When the police reported this, the city officials were alarmed to learn that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. Okay, so what did that mean? A Roman citizen had special privileges, and you couldn't just walk up to them and arrest them. There had to be a reason. There had to be a trial. So they had special privileges. You know, in, um, in Jesus, when, when, when Jesus was uh, walking the earth, you ha- if a Roman soldier came up to you and wanted you to carry his cloak, you were required to do it. They had a special privilege. If they wanted, um, if they wanted you to do anything, you had to do it. And so one of the things that, remember when Jesus said, if they want your uh, shirt, give them your cloak, or they want your cloak, give them your shirt. If they want you to walk a mile, walk two miles. Because the first one was required. The second one made you be in control. So think about that. When the police reported, oh, they they were, because they were Roman citizens. So they came to the jail and apologized to them. Then they brought them out and begged them to leave the city. When Paul and Silas left the prison, they returned to the home of Lydia. There they met with believers and encouraged them once more. Then they left town. And it was probably about three months. They were, you know, this whole, um, the whole time they were there, from the time they met Lydia, and then they, you know, were put in jail, and then all that. It's probably about three months. So that's how the church started in Philippi. So now let's look at our verses for today. Philippians 2, and that should be in your notebook. Electric power. Oh, let's see. I'm going to read it from here. Okay, Joyce, I'm going to need you. (laughs) 
<laughs> so chapter 2, verse 19. I hope, now remember, he's writing this from um, house arrest in Rome, and it's been about 10 years since he started the church there. And it's considered his second, when he went here to Philippi, it was considered his second missionary journey. Verse 19, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. So Paul is writing this. He's going to talk about Timothy. He's going to talk about Epaphrodites. So think about their background. Paul is a Jew, a Hebrew of Hebrews, uh, studied under Gamaliel. He was a Pharisee. He was a Jew of Jews. Timothy, his mother was a Jew and his father was a Greek. So he was kind of half and half, whatever, however you would like to describe that. And then Epaphrodites was Greek. So I just thought it was interesting how three men of three totally different backgrounds are unified in Christ. They were unified in, in what they were going to do how they serve the Lord, they were unified in their relationship, and the only thing they had in common was the Lord Jesus. So he brings unity out of diversity. Okay, so I want you to write Paul, the name Paul. And I'm, as I read the first part of this, I'd like you to think about what do you learn about Paul from these few verses? I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. I have no idea who he's talking about here, but it doesn't sound very good. But you know Timothy's proven worth how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself may come. So what do you learn about Paul from those verses? Love. He loves Timothy. Anybody else? Say it again. He's concerned for them. Somebody else? You have to say it loudly because I, I have the ocean in my ears, so you have to get over the ocean that's in my ears. He has hope. He has hope, right. He has hope. What else? Say it. Okay, he's community-oriented. What else? Anything? Yes? Hey, Beth. Truly? So he was truly a servant, and the, say the last sentence. Whatever he... <laughs> Whatever came. Okay, great. Okay, so he wanted to reflect Jesus. All right. 
So what do we learn? What do you know about Timothy from Acts and then from these verses? So Timothy, what do we know about Timothy from Acts and from these verses? <laughs> Say what? Okay, he genuinely loved the Philippians. What did you say, Teresa? <laughs> he was circumcised, that's right. And he wasn't a baby. <laughs> yeah, and he was willing. He had to be willing. He was grown, you know, so he was willing for the sake of the Jews that were in the area. Well, we know. We we get it. Okay. Um, what else? Okay. Okay. He he loved Paul, like a like a father, a son to a father. What else? Okay. They were kindred spirits. In verse 22, it says, but you know Timothy's proven worth. So his, he had proven worth. He was faithful. Okay. And we know from Acts that his mother was a Jew and his father was Greek. And just an aside, he is mentioned in 11 of the 27 books of the New Testament. Yeah. And then Paul, of course, wrote two letters specifically to him. And do we have up there that he was young? That's 27. Yeah. No, the books, not the epistles. Yeah, 27 books of the New Testament. And then he was young. Okay, so let's read verse 25. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphrodites, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So he had made the trip, if you look on your map again, from Philippi to Rome, about 800 miles, in order to serve Paul with a gift from the Philippians. Because when you were in prison, you had to provide, every, you had to provide your own food, you, everything. You, they didn't give you anything. And so the Philippians had taken a gift, an offering, and, take, and Epaphrodites had 
taken it to Paul. And now Paul wants to send him back. So it took him, at le- it had to take him at least six weeks to get there. And then he's going to have this journey to go back. So what do we learn about Epaphrodites? He was Greek, don't forget. And also, he's only mentioned here. Um, there is, I think this is true. There's another guy named Epaphras who's mentioned in Colossians, but they say it was a different person. I don't, I don't know, but that's what commentators say. So what do we know about Epaphrodites? He was Greek. What's it tell us here about him? Okay, he, was, he had a mother's heart. There you go, because he was worried about them. Though he was sick. Somebody else? Hard worker? Fellow soldier? Yep. Okay, he was a messenger. He brought the gift to Paul to minister to his needs. Somebody, I can hear. One more time. Deserving of honor. Mm -hmm. Deserving of honor. Some were. Yes, committed to Christ unto death. See, you all can speak loudly. Okay, committed to Christ unto death. Okay. Okay, considered him his brother. Yep. Okay, I got part of that. Louder. Okay. He died, almost died for the cause of Christ, which would have been martyrdom. Mm -hmm. So you can just commit it to Christ unto death. Yeah. Okay, good. Okay. All right. So here's what we know. We learned about Paul. He loved Timothy. He was concerned for the Philippians. He had hope. He was community-oriented. He was a servant, and he reflected Jesus. So Timothy, we learned that he genuinely loved the Philippians. He was circumcised. He loved Paul like a father. They were kindred spirits. He was proven, and he had Faith, he was faithful, proven worth that was faithful. He was Greek and Jewish heritage, and he's mentioned in 11 of 27 books of the New Testament, and he was young, pretty young. And Epaphrodites, we learned he was Greek. He had a mother's heart because he was so concerned about Paul and then concerned about the Philippians that he wanted to go back. He was a hard worker, fellow soldier, messenger, deserving of honor, committed to Christ and to death, and Paul considered him his brother. So 
We've learned a lot about those three people just from these verses. So, what's it mean to you? So what? We all know about Paul. We all know about Timothy. We all know about Epaphrodites. So what? What's the takeaway? What's the takeaway? Flip it. Okay, here's your application. Okay. Here's your application. Who am I concerned about and what will I do about it? And what three objective the three objectives that you wrote down that you said you would like to describe you not the first three but the second three what do you have to do to make that a reality what do you have to do to make that a reality so write it down cuz you won't remember when you leave here so you have to write it down And I get to teach in two weeks, so I'm going to ask you, (laughs) who am I concerned about and what am I going to do about it? You know, it doesn't have to be big. It could be just write a note, make a phone call, pray, let somebody know you're praying for them. Those are big things, but they're not super time-consuming. And then what three objectives that you wrote down earlier that you would like someone to describe you And what do you have to do to make that a reality? Let's pray. Lord, we're so grateful for your word. We're grateful that it can have personal application in our life. That you've written it for a purpose. We're grateful that... um, we can learn from the letter to the Philippians that you, Jesus, are the source of our life, the center of our life, and the source of our joy. Lord, I pray as we go um, to our small groups that we would remember that we represent you, that we are to be salt and light, that we can experience your joy even in the midst of very difficult circumstances. I thank you for Monica's testimony that she shared, that she, she did experience your presence and your joy in the midst of very difficult circumstances. So I, I pray as we go that um, we would be reminded often throughout the rest of today of your presence. And we would remember that we can look to you, the author and finisher of our faith, with great joy. In Jesus' name, amen.